Welcome to you, wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, I do want to mention, if you haven't yet discovered the YouVersion Bible app, it's an absolutely free resource. has all kinds of uh, uh, tools that you can use to uh, strengthen uh, your understanding of God's Word. And if you look under events, you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'd likewise search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. Uh, listen for yourself, share it with friends, and help us get uh, God's good truth out. Uh, well, uh, we are in a series called uh, Love's Reach, and uh, it's uh, really a look at how our world changes when we care about people the way that Christ does. And uh, it's really based on this foundational truth about the nature of God and his self-revelation, first to his people in Israel, then through the person of Christ, and then to us through his word. Uh, here's the truth. God reaches to people who are in need, especially when their need is for him. Uh, that may seem simple, but it's profoundly uh, true about the nature of our creator that God reaches toward people in need, especially when their need is for him. You know, last week we looked at this, uh, some of these images uh, from the rescue attempts in Turkey. This particular one uh, depicts or shows the incredible joy that happens when, when a person, in this case a child who has been lost, was rescued, was found, and you can see uh, the heart-changing joy on their faces. Well, this is, a, this is a glimpse of the heart of God, and he invites us to join him in his uh, compassion for people. Uh, Isaiah couldn't have been more, Ezekiel couldn't have been more clear about uh, this understanding, a vision he had into the heart of God. He says, uh, this is what the sovereign Lord says to us, I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. I will search for the lost, and I will bring back the strays. Well, not surprising, uh, we saw that when Jesus came uh, to this earth as the good shepherd to reveal God most clearly to us, uh, he revealed himself as a shepherd that seeks and saves lost people. In fact, uh, we're kind of uh, camping out uh, in the teachings of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, and then his sequel, the book of Acts. And uh, one of the things uh, we noted to be true about Luke's writings is he portrays this seeking heart of God, the rescuing heart of God as always uh, moving beyond, uh, going beyond those who are safe uh, to find those who are not, those who are distant from God. And it's a theme throughout Luke's writings. Uh, he said, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Uh, he said uh, when, he was, uh, when Jesus was accused about hanging out with broken people and sinners, uh, Jesus answered, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, you know, as Luke goes through his gospel again and again and again, he returns to this theme that Jesus came to reach and to rescue people who were far away from God. In Luke chapter 15, he tells three, uh, really, uh, stories with a very clear point. We call them parables. It's the uh, parable of the lost son or the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, 
and the parable of the lost son, each of them showing that the heart of God is to go and look for what has been lost. When it's been found, there's great joy and celebration. And uh, as we said, as Luke writes his sequel, the book of Acts, this same outward-reaching heart of God that was uh, so wonderfully uh, demonstrated by the person of Jesus Christ is now entrusted to his followers. That's a key aspect of Luke's uh, writing the book of Acts. In fact, he opens that book with these words. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to his followers, to the apostles that he had chosen, and he said, look, uh, you're going to be equipped. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll carry on what I began to do and to teach in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, uh, you know, our big point in this series is uh, not only how the world changes when we care like Jesus, but how our world changes when we care like Christ. Uh, I love this proverb, according to the message translation, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy, those who withhold, gets smaller and smaller. And uh, if we're honest, we know that to be true. It, Jesus said, look, freely you've received, freely give. And uh, last week we kind of pinpointed some of the reasons we opt out of caring for people desperate for God the way that God does, the way that Jesus demonstrated, and the way that he entrusted us to carry on. Uh, some of the reasons we opt out, we hoard, uh, thinking that we need to keep uh, God's riches to ourselves. If, uh, lo and behold, we give them away too liberally, then we lose something of what uh, we enjoy about being followers of Christ. We slip into judgmentalism. We begin to look down at others who don't have what we have or maybe don't live by the ethics or the morality that we've come to cherish as part of our, our faith in Christ. We give in to fear and shame rather than having this courageous kind of giving of ourselves the way Christ gave himself to us. We allow our fear to hem us in. We allow our shame to hold us back of thinking we could actually be used by God to bring his miracle touch to others. And finally, we just get our priorities screwed up. Uh, we think that reaching people is somehow a, an accessory, an add-on to our faith when Jesus calls us to make it the center of our response to him. In fact, Luke is the one who will tell the story later on, Luke chapter 12, about a rich man who had everything he could ask for. And uh, when, he, when he began to accumulate more than he could deal with, he built bigger barns. Well, as Jesus tells the story, uh, God came to him on the day of his death and said, you know what, uh, you were rich in this world's goods, but you should have been rich toward God. He should have used your great wealth uh, to reach and to care for people. And uh, then we saw last week how, you know, God uh, has to retool us, uh, has to get us out of our hoarding, judgmental, fearful, shameful, wrong priorities mindset, dial us in to where what matters to God and was displayed by Jesus takes priority in our lives. And so we looked at Peter, this uh, model disciple, and uh, this uh, opening of the miracle of the, the great catch of fish. 
We're told Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore, and there he sat down and he taught the people from the boat, from Simon's boat. And uh, now, after this one step, there's zero degree of separation between Peter's real life in his response to Jesus, and that's a huge a change. There's now, uh, there's not church Jesus, and then normal everyday life, uh, you know, life in this world. And uh, Jesus takes steps to bring those two together. And uh, when he does, uh, the opportunity is set up for God's miraculous provision to pour into us and through us into our desperate world. After this miraculous catch of fish, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled up their boats on shore. They left everything, and they followed him. And, uh, you know, here's the truth. Uh, reaching people it was no longer, uh, you know, some, some uh, a minor activity that people of faith do. Uh, reaching people with the hope and the love and the compassion of God became the very center of their world. Uh, here's the way I would say this truth, which is really the heart of this series. When reaching people who need God becomes the center of your devotion to Christ, you step into a whole new way of living. Uh, hear that again. When reaching people uh, who need uh, God's hope, compassion, his touch, becomes the center of your devotion to Christ, becomes the focal point of how you live out your faith, you step into a bigger and a better way of living. Uh, Jesus said it most succinctly like this. Seek first his kingdom. First be concerned about the kingdom of God and what has God's approval. And then all these other things in life will be provided to you. And so uh, really that's where we come to, to uh, Love's Reach Part 2 is uh, what that looks like when we decide, uh, okay, uh, the priorities that are in God's heart that Jesus gave everything for and then entrusted to us when that becomes the center of our world, what does that look like? Well, as Luke uh, weaves together his gospel, he follows this miraculous catch of fish with the training of you know, what it's going to be like for people who follow Christ and make reaching others the center of their world. We're told in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with this despicable disease called leprosy. He was covered from head to toe. Uh, he would have been branded as unclean. He would have had to shout out, I'm unclean, because he, he had to forewarn people not to get so near to him that they might catch what he had. When Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground, and he begged him. He said, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. You know, uh, being covered with leprosy uh, was not a pretty sight. In fact, uh, there are few things that can disfigure a human as much as being covered with leprosy from head to toe. Uh, I ha had an experience once that uh, really pales in comparison, but I thought of it when I read these words. Uh, I was 19 years old. I had just met the, the, the woman who was going to become my wife. Now we've been married over 40 years. But uh, we had had one date with each other, and uh, this lady really captured my heart. And uh, I was at work that week, working uh, over a, 
a pot of molten zinc. And as I lowered a piece to be uh, galvanized with this zinc coating, I lowered it too fast. The zinc popped, and I watched a, a piece of molten zinc fly through the air and land on my nose. Well, you can imagine uh, I had a fairly distinctive mark. In fact, I had a big bubble on the end of my nose. And uh, what I did with my new girlfriend is I went dark. I went, <laughs> I went silent. I went into isolation. I didn't want to see her until this disfigurement had been minimized. Well, if you can take that and kind of apply it to this man, he was covered from head to toe with leprosy. He would have been ceremonially unclean. He would have been unfit uh, to participate uh, in knowing God and experiencing the revelation of God through his people, Israel. Uh, you know, here's the truth. Uh, there's lots of things we can pick up in life that make us feel less than worthy, that make us feel unclean in a sense, uh, not on God's good list, but uh, on his bad list. You could go through a, a bad divorce, and suddenly, you know, a life that felt wholesome and good, you feel kind of broken, uh, kind of messed up. Uh, you could go through a, a, an addiction where a bad habit becomes a lifestyle, and it can go on for years, in some cases decades, where your whole life revolves around using people to obtain the things that you want. Uh, maybe the bottom uh, fell out of your finances. Maybe somebody said some things to you that didn't prove to be true. You felt betrayed. Became a bit jaded, a bit cynical. Uh, all of these things uh, can create in us uh, a sense of uncleanness, a sense of unworthiness to receive God's best. Uh, the fact is, there are a lot of ways uh, we can be like this man who probably spent his whole life uh, living in shame, living in a sense of unworthiness of experiencing God's best. But uh, something amazing happened. When Jesus came in proximity to him, something stirred in his heart, and he thought, you know, this, this guy could change everything. And he knew uh, in a moment that if Jesus was willing to touch him, his nightmare could be over, could come to an end. You know, the Bible says that faith is being certain of the things we hope for, and uh, something of faith stirred in the heart of this man covered with leprosy, as he considered uh, who Jesus might be. And uh, I love how Jesus responded uh, to this man's plea. Uh, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Uh, Jesus reached out his hand, we're told, and he touched the man. Now, uh, just let those words kind of settle on your heart for a minute. Uh, Jesus did the exact opposite of what a scribe or a religious uh, rabbi uh, in the Israeli and the Hebrew religion was supposed to do with leprous people. Uh, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched this man whom others considered unclean. And he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. You know, uh, that's an amazing breakthrough. Uh, can you imagine uh, how this man's life changed from that moment onward? after living perhaps decades of shame and isolation, withdrawing from normal everyday interactions with other good people. Now he's been liberated from this affliction, and uh, Jesus uh, gives him some marching orders. You know, how do you live in this health that's now been imparted to you? And then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone 
don't make a big deal, a big show of this, but instead go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony that you're no longer unclean. You know, what I hear Jesus saying is, go be normal for a while. You know, go participate in, uh, in the rituals and the sacrifices that God ordained for his people. And uh, don't consider yourself an outcast. Uh, you've been made clean, and it hasn't been uh, through these religious practices. It's been through the miraculous touch of Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, someone once said that Jesus really isn't into drawing crowds, uh, but crowds tend to follow where he goes. And that's exactly what transpires here. He says, uh, don't, don't go tell anyone. And yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You know, as I mentioned, uh, Jesus is not really into drawing crowds, but what Jesus is into is wonderfully meeting the needs of people that are desperate for God. And uh, here's the truth. When that's happening, when Jesus is truly touching people at their point of need, crowds show up and they come, and not because Jesus is trying to create uh, some sort of a, you know, a, a big multitude of followers. Uh, Jesus is focused on the one. Uh, someone once said this, uh, you should always do for the one what you wish you could do for the many. Uh, in other words, let your, let your compassion be let your uh, generosity be expressed for the ones that are right in front of you and let God do what God is going to do with that well it's almost as if Luke anticipates as he's uh, trying to teach us what it means to care for people the way that God does the way that Jesus demonstrated in the way that he entrusted uh, his followers uh, to care for others uh, it's almost in that coaching, he, he makes us realize if you keep your focus on the one, uh, the crowds will take care of themselves. We're told one day, uh, now, kind of the sequel to the healing of the leper, we have the healing of a paralytic. And Luke couples these two uh, miracles together to teach us something about the heart of God. Uh, one day, Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees, teachers of the law, were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, if you can catch the scene here, there was hope in the air. Uh, Jesus, the miracle worker, was there. He was available. Uh, but also, uh, there's religious leaders from all over Galilee. In fact, all from all over Judea. And so there's all the makings of drama here, you've got people that are there for all the right reasons. You've got others that are there to, to scrutinize, to make sure Jesus is operating according to their rules and how they interpret the teachings of God. And in the midst of that, uh, some men came. They were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went home. No, that's not at all what they did. When they couldn't get in through the door, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on a mat uh, through the tiles. They made a hole in the roof and they lowered him into the middle of the crowd right 
in front of Jesus. You know, this is a crazy scene. Uh, this is chaotic. Uh, this is not uh, following uh, tidy rules of how God meets the needs of people. <laughs> These guys show up. They can't get in. Rather than go home, they go up on the roof and dig a hole. It reminded me of when I went to my first music concert. It was a big deal, my first rock concert. And uh, as was par for the course back in those days, I didn't have money for a ticket, nor did my friends. Uh, but we went down to the venue, and I figured we'd just hang around outside and listen to the music as well as we could from outside. Well, we got on the, uh, around the back side of the building. A bunch of us made our way up some stairs where we could hear the music coming out the windows. Well, what transpired was sort of like this scene. As so many people crowded on those steps and that platform that all of a sudden the doors burst open and uh, me and my friends found ourselves right in front of the stage. And we were in the mosh pit without tickets. And that sort of chaos is unfolding in this uh, guy's house. Can you imagine being the owner of this house? You, you invite Jesus to come and spend some time with you. All of his followers come along. All these sinners, tax collectors, religious leaders from all over Galilee and Judea crowd their way into this house. And all of a sudden, his roof's being destroyed. Some guy's being lowered on a mat. Uh, you got to hope that if this man was in his right mind, uh, he was recognizing that God's doing something here that's beyond uh, all of my expectations. Hopefully, he was having the time of his life. Uh, you know, I heard a story of a, a guy who was in a more traditional church, and uh, in this church, uh, the leader, the pastor, the, the priest, he wore a big robe, and uh, it was a Sunday gathering. The house was full. And uh, he was going through his sermon, his homily, his message. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, a young boy in the church had found his way into the room where they kept all the spare robes. And this young boy uh, put on a priestly robe. He came walking out, walking down the aisle as this priest was in the middle of his message. And uh, there was joy in the house that day as people watched this uh, young fellow coming up the aisle in the priest's robe. Everyone was laughing their heads off except for the priest. He was offended. He was angry. He, he thought, how in the world? Uh, who's allowing this boy to wreck our service? And, uh, you know, if you can experience uh, that kind of uh, contrasting response, uh, hopefully the owner of this house was embracing the moment as Jesus was doing something incredible. You know, uh, when, when Jesus touches people, authentically crowds do follow uh, things get chaotic and uh, i know in response to this uh, in our religious mindset we can have a lot of different uh, responses uh, some churches say it like this we're going to do everything short of sinning to get people close enough where jesus can touch them and they do it and things get a little chaotic they they, they go beyond kind of the normal uh, doing church routines. They do what it takes to get people close to Jesus. Then there are others who will say, be wary when you see churches getting really big, growing lots of crowds. They're usually compromising the gospel. They're soft-selling the truth. And I want to ask you a question. Which of those two do you think is closer to the heart of Jesus? Doing everything short of sin to getting people close enough to receive his touch 
or being cautious and wary and careful not to compromise the truth about God. Well, uh, we see how Jesus came down on this issue as this man is lowered uh, through the roof right in front of him. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, friend, your sins are forgiven. You know, uh, that's a pretty clear answer to that question. Uh, when Jesus saw the risk, these uh, people were willing to take the risk of offending the homeowner, the risk of offending Jesus, the risk of offending the religious teachers. They just, all of that became second uh, priority uh, to the highest priority of getting their friend close enough to where Jesus could touch him. Uh, that became the highest priority. And uh, it's the one thing that causes Jesus to marvel in the gospel accounts when he sees people exercise their faith. In this case, it was their faith that God is good, that Jesus came to reveal and to release the goodness of God to meet the needs of people. They knew that, and they acted on it in a dramatic way. Well, uh, here's uh, where that ends up. It says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow? Who lies about God? Uh, who can forgive sins but God alone? You know, uh, this is a good question. Uh, who in the world uh, can release people from their flaws and their failures and their offenses against God but God alone? And uh, that's a really a, that's a good question to ask, especially for these religious leaders whose entire lives and vocations revolve around managing God's truth and uh, really around a system of, uh, of keeping people engaged in the rituals to be able to deal with their sin problem. And all of a sudden, Jesus here, not even knowing who this paralytic is, says, uh, you're released. You're free from anything that ever distanced you from experiencing God's best, and I release you from them. You're free from your sins. Well, uh, they ask this question, what gives you the right? to do such a thing. And Jesus answers. Uh, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Uh, which is easier, uh, to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And uh, they're probably thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> we're not sure we like where this is going. Uh, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to release people from their sins. And so, uh, he looked at the paralytic and he said to him, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Uh, and as uh, Luke uh, finishes this incredible episode, he says immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he'd been lying on and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed. They gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. Well, uh, before I lead us in a prayer, I want to just uh, remind us of kind of the point of this series, uh, that love reaches people in need, especially when their need is for God. Love takes risks. Love pays the price. Love is willing uh, to extend beyond uh, the normal boundaries in order to bring the touch of Jesus to people who have needs. And, uh, you know, here's this uh, proverb we looked at earlier that is so uh, apropos 
to uh, what Jesus is trying to shape in the hearts of his followers. Uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And uh, the invitation is to begin to care for people regardless where they've been, what they're into, what they believe, to begin to care for people the way that God uh, has demonstrated through Jesus that he cares uh, for people who are desperate for his touch. I love the way the Apostle Paul uh, describes our new identity as people who fish for others. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God himself were making his appeal to people through us. And uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. Uh, Lord, thank you for the way that you care for people. Uh, thank you that uh, uh, though uh, there, is, uh, there is truth, there is a, a morality that uh, stands the eternal test of time. There are expectations. There are the commandments of God that we know, Lord, that we fall short of. Uh, Paul says in his letter to the Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet against that reality uh, comes Jesus, uh, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And uh, I pray uh, as, as this message uh, goes out, maybe uh, you're someone who identifies with that leper. You know, you feel like there are things about you, about your life, about your history, about what you're into that make you unworthy, uh, perhaps uh, make you distant from God's best in your life. Maybe you're like that a paralytic. You know, you're just feeling stuck in matters of faith and matters of life. Whatever it is, uh, I, I pray and I hope that what you'll hear uh, through this message is that God is reaching to you right where you're at. There's nothing uh, in you. There's nothing you believe. There's nothing about your history that can uh, separate you from God's love that is extended to you if you'll simply open up to that. I pray that you do that right now in the privacy of a, maybe as you're listening to this message, I just say, God, thank you for reaching to me through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you do indeed have the authority to forgive sins, and I receive that forgiveness right now. I can be made clean simply through your touch. Thank you for your nearness. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to cause me to get up and walk away from my mat, that stuckness, that paralytic condition I've been in. And Lord, uh, for others, I, I pray that as this message comes, we'll be reminded of one of the highest ways we can express our faith in God and our love for Jesus is to be his hands and his feet to others. Uh, Lord, whatever uh, invitation uh, you have to us to leave behind uh, some of the things that cause us to, uh, to hoard uh, the riches of God, uh, maybe some of the fear and the shame that we carry that keeps us from being conduits of your love and generosity to others. Uh, Lord, would you retool us? Would you bring us to that simple place of knowing freely we have received and we can live larger lives as we freely give to those? Uh, Lord, thank you for leading and guiding us forward uh, for your glory in your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.